Hi, I'm Mary C. Curtis, and this is Equal Time. The late evangelist, the Reverend Billy Graham, was as world-famous as the presidents who sought FaceTime with the man known as America's pastor. But after a friendship with Richard Nixon affected that image, the elder Graham backed away from the political spotlight. Looking back, I know I sometimes crossed the line, he said, and I wouldn't do that now. A son has chosen a different path. The Reverend Franklin Graham is always busy during the Christmas season as president and CEO of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association and of Samaritan's Purse with its Operation Christmas Child Outreach. During the coronavirus pandemic, the need has been greater than ever. But he's also become as well known for his political activism, sometimes as polarizing a figure as the man he has supported, President Donald Trump. Graham prayed at his inauguration in 2017, and he has not wavered. When an editorial in Christianity Today, a magazine Billy Graham founded, last year called Trump a leader of grossly immoral character and urged that Trump be removed from office, Franklin Graham revealed on social media that his father had voted for Trump in 2016, and he wrote, he believed Donald J. Trump was the man for this hour in the history for our nation. One of Billy Graham's grandsons disagreed with his uncle, and a granddaughter, critical of evangelical support for Trump, co-founded a political action committee called Pro-Life Evangelicals for Biden. Again, Franklin Graham has found himself at the center of America's culture wars and debate over the separation of church and state, sometimes within his own large family. Through his active social media presence, though, you always know where Franklin Graham stands. Welcome to Equal Time, Reverend Graham. Good evening, Reverend Graham, and welcome to Equal Time. Thank you again for your time, and a a happy uh, Christmas season. Glad to do it. Well, COVID, of course, and its effects on the life of Americans and the hope of a vaccine, they're our top on the minds for most of us right now. But that's not the only news. I want to talk a little bit about the election. And uh, days after the election in November, you tweeted, that many fear that some are trying to steal the election. So join me in praying. Uh, And you said for for several things, including, so the enemies of God will be quieted. And then after the election was certified uh, for Joe Biden as president and Kamala Harris as vice president, you wrote on Facebook that you were grateful for the last four years. And you also wrote that it's unfortunate that many people got confused and made the election about personalities rather than the policies of the candidates. So I just want to ask you, what did you mean by that, both uh, by your gratitude about the last four years and your lament about how people voted? Well, first of all, um, I'm, I'm grateful for the last four years because we've had a president who has been supportive of religious freedom issues more than any president in my lifetime, Democrat or Republican. And I'm grateful for that. Um, he is a pro-life president. Um, abortion has hit the African-American community more than any, any other group. And, uh, and the president has stood for life. And I, I, I appreciate that we've had that for the last four years. And um, so I'm grateful uh, for that. Uh, and now we move on to a new chapter. Yeah, and what did you mean by that people got confused and made it about personalities? 
thought there, I know people say, well, I'm not going to vote for Trump because he said this or he said that, or we, we think he's rude or we think he is too rough. Well, I mean, he's a New Yorker and I say, I went to school in New York. So I'm, you know, I'm, I understand that That's kind of personality. Um, and it certainly isn't the way it is in the South. That's for sure. But for New York, it's uh, that's just the way he is. But we have to look at a person's policies and the fact that he was pro-life. Uh, and uh, those those are the issues that I mean that uh, I think we, we have to look at a person and um, not so much their personalities, but uh, the policies are important. I remember in our conversation uh, last year at the Charlotte stop on your tour, uh, we talked a little bit about the separation of church and state. And you told me we live in a political world, so we can't avoid politics. So could you just talk a little bit about how you see the role of faith in politics and how your faith has guided when and why you've chosen to speak out on politics? Well, uh, there, there's some, there are moral issues that uh, that politicians have tried to make political, such as same-sex marriage. And uh, this is something that President-elect uh, Biden uh, has supported. And I cannot support that because it, it goes against Scripture. And uh, God made us male and female. And marriage is between a man and a woman. And so those, these are moral issues. President-elect uh, Biden uh, supports abortion. Uh, and I certainly cannot support that because it's a moral issue. And he's, he's absolutely wrong in the Catholic Church. Opposes him. He's a Catholic, but they won't even allow him to take communion uh, because of this issue. Uh, well, actually, I, I'm Catholic myself. Some, some churches, I think his regular church, he does. But I know there's disagreement on that. I, I do want to stay on this issue of more moral issues, though, um, because just recently, the Proud Boys and some other pro-Trump marchers in Washington, they trespassed on the grounds of historically black churches. They tore down signs that endorsed the movement for black lives and they burned them in the streets. And that brought back some horrible visions of racial and religious intimidation and violence that have plagued uh, African-Americans and the black church. What should faith leaders of every race say about scenes like that? And, And what is your message? Well, first of all, I, I don't I don't support violence, uh, whether it's uh, violence uh, against the Proud Boys or the Proud Boys against somebody else. Uh, I don't support it, and uh, never have and never will. So uh, the fact that they went onto the grounds of a black church that uh, you know in the past there's been so much violence that has been historical against African American churches for intimidation. So what do you think? faith leaders should speak out when things like that happen? Uh, I, I speak out against these things. And, uh, and, and it's wrong. And uh, whether it's a black church, excuse me, or uh, a white church, uh, I, I don't support violence. And uh, certainly um, uh, for someone to go onto the property of a church and, and, um, and deface the property in any way, is absolutely wrong. When the killing of George Floyd opened a lot of eyes to some of the racial injustice, you issued a strong statement and said that the video made you sick to your stomach. And uh, that was highlighting that 
fraught relationship between law enforcement and some of the communities they cover. And you've also been doing outreach with law enforcement. So uh, how, when, when we're talking about issues and moral issues, how important should issues such as racial justice, police reform, be to Christians and both in the pulpit and outside of it in their lives? Well, first of all, um, what happened to George Floyd was uh, was was wicked uh, and evil, and it does it, it just it turns my stomach even thinking about it talking to you right now. And uh, that was one policeman, and uh, we don't want to throw out law enforcement because there was one bad cop. We need law enforcement. The African communities need law enforcement. Uh, if we got rid of our and defunded the police departments, then it's going to be the drug dealers and people like that who will run the streets. Uh, we, we need law enforcement, but we need well-trained law enforcement. And we need to spend more money uh, on law enforcement, not less money. Um, we, bet we need a better trained police force, period. And uh, but I do support law enforcement, but I support um, law enforcement that gets involved in communities and uh, gets to know the community leaders at every level and works closely with community leaders uh, to solve the problems in communities. We've got to work together on this. We can't be separate, uh, but we've got to work together. I know we have so much going on now, and I, I want to talk a little bit about all these things that are going on now with the pandemic and food insecurity. And we have the holiday season and it's a blessing, but a challenge to so many people. And I'll ask you a little bit about your priorities and your work with the Samaritan's Purse and the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. And what are some important things you're working on right now? Well, we are are working with Samaritan's Purse right now, uh, still focusing very much in Louisiana where we had these uh, hurricanes this year that just destroyed uh, large portions of that state. And we, we have teams of people helping to do rebuilds and helping people put uh, roofs back on their homes uh, so they, they can get on with their lives. Uh, that's very important. With COVID, uh, we're working about 50-some countries, uh, helping countries do training on how to train uh, their medical staff on how to deal with COVID. That's very important. Um, and COVID is on the rise uh, here in this country and around the world. And we see it everywhere. And um, I've got uh, one of my own family members with COVID right now. So it's something we have to take very seriously. I'm very appreciative of uh, President Trump and getting uh, and pushing uh, all the regulations to the side so that uh, we could get... Um, vaccines uh, to the people much more quickly without all this government red tape and regulation. He's done a masterful job in cutting through all that uh, to get this vaccine to the American public this quickly. Um, it's just, it has never happened that it has never happened like that before. So we're grateful to him. We just hope that we can get uh, the American people vaccinated as soon as possible. Do you wish he'd wear a mask and encourage others to? Because it's, it's going to be a while before everybody gets that vaccine. So it's it's not um, it's it's not a perfect system, a mask, but um, it does help. 
But I think we're going to see less uh, flu this year because people are wearing masks. That's, and yeah. and I'm going to, you know, every flu season, after we get past COVID, I, I'm going to continue to wear masks and ask my staff to wear masks uh, during uh, flu season. I think we'll all just be a little healthier. A little healthier. I know when Samaritan's Purse volunteered in New York City in those makeshift COVID hospitals, it, there was a little controversy when workers and volunteers had to agree to pledge that marriage is exclusively the union of one genetic male and one genetic female. Um, it was a mission of outreach. So I do wonder why you would impose that pledge and if you believe that that might have hampered your ability to welcome everyone. No, uh, we, uh, we we have that pledge for our work wherever we work in the world. It's not just for COVID hospital in New York City. It's just who we are. We're, we're, we're evangelical Christians. I believe the Bible to be the word of God. And we we are only going to hire people that uh, that believe the way we believe. So uh, it didn't hurt our work. We have a very good relationship with Mount Sinai. Uh, matter of fact, I've got one of my key staff members up there right now who's got COVID, and and Mount Sinai is is taking care of him. I had to fly to um, Azerbaijan over the weekend uh, to get him. He was very sick. We always get opposition from somebody. That's not new. So there's always somebody who thinks they know more than than we know or whatever. Uh, and that just goes with it. If you, if you don't want to be opposed, just do nothing and stay home. But um, we, we, we don't do that. Uh, we're going to get involved. We're going to help people. And, yes, there are going to be people who are going to take a different opinion and, uh, and will try to uh, sabotage you in some way or another. But... We don't let that stop us. Well, thank you very much. Uh, and uh, I want to wish you welcome. Thank you for appearing as a guest on Equal Time. I'm sure our listeners will enjoy it. And wish you all the Chris, all the blessings of the holiday season, uh, that you're safe and well. Well, thank you very much. And a Merry Christmas to you all. And um, uh, try to be safe and, and uh, make sure you wear those masks. Definitely, definitely. What's keeping me up at night? A holiday season unlike any other, and the need for everyone to be patient and wait for that vaccine, which is so hard when you just want to hug your loved ones. What soothes me, though, is conjuring images of holidays past. Not the family spats or broken furnaces or meals that don't quite turn out. Those fade away. You smile when you remember picking out the perfect Christmas tree with your dad. Or midnight mass and the sausage and biscuit breakfast waiting for you when you came home. Or listening to Mahalia Jackson belt, No Room at the Inn Until the Record Wore Thin. When the worst is over, and 2020 has been a year for the books, those moving memories and hope for a brighter future remain. So what's keeping you up at night? Waiting for Santa? Let me know with a tweet at mcurtisnc3. We'll be taking a break for the holidays, but we'll be back in the beginning of January. Until then, thank you for listening to Equal Time. Please subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We have exciting surprises in store for 2021.